Well, y'all have been cleaning my house. We got a big event coming up at my house, you know. <laughs> we do. I am suddenly like, oh, well, I should probably take care of this situation or that <laughs> situation. You know how when you suddenly are having a group over, you see all your things differently? You're like, Mm-hmm. But really, it's just going to be my house. It's just going to be the same cozy my house. So I know that we're all going to be friends and just be talking about books together. So it's not going to matter. So I'm just going to say y'all overlook our stuff. Your house is always adorable. So no yes. worries. <laughs> but really, I am wanting to remind everybody that April 28th is our very first ever in real life book club merging for the night with book fair podcast and we're going to talk about the island of sea women yay i'm so excited (laughs) i am three-fourths through this book (gasps) y'all we got a lot to talk about that's all i can say it's so good if you're not reading it go get it go read it it's every woman needs to hear this story every human i mean it's one of those but it's also Every woman is going to just feel the strength in this book. I really think. I love it. Yeah. So good. So much to talk about. Okay. I'm excited. So because we know what book we're doing, we also know what food we're doing since it takes place in Jeju Island, um, which is a island in Korea. We will be doing Korean food, which is going to be super fun. We haven't decided exactly how we're going to do that yet, but if you're going to come in uh, for the club meeting, you will get yummy Korean food. And we had this really sweet friend on Facebook ask us, like, I don't live in Tampa, but if I can make it, can I travel in from out of town? Mm. Yes! Yes! Of yes. Absolutely! <laughs> that is the whole point. This is our first little effort at gathering our people wherever they are so yes you are more than welcome to come in from anywhere get you a little hotel or find you a friend in tampa you can stay with overnight and come to our friday night and saturday day event now we are getting close to knowing what we're going to do saturday maybe next week we can announce it it'll be super fun I like the slow rollout. (laughs) (laughs) Y'all, I haven't started the book yet. And hearing Elizabeth talk about how it is wrecking her, I am nervous that it's going to be emotional. I don't always like that. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it doesn't take much for me to be emotional. So (laughs) me either. Let me say this about it, because it's not a spoiler at all about the book. I have a friend, Jenny Bassett, that always talks about when you're up as a young mom in the middle of the night, and it's suddenly so lonely and so discouraging to think of all the mamas that are also up in the middle of the night. And I suddenly, during one of the scenes in the book, had that kind of feeling of women all over the world in every culture are overcoming and putting one foot in front of the other and showing up. And it is just, it's awesome. Even when it's hard. That was like the vibe I'm getting from this book. So. Okay. Well, yes. that, that makes me Three, be less scared. So even, of the even the hard is like beautiful, <laughs> wonderful. Yeah. Good. Yeah. I needed to back up and resell after, if I say wrecked, everybody panics. <laughs> <laughs> like she loves wretched books. Oh no. <laughs> 
Welcome to Book Fair. We help thoughtful women find wholesome, life-affirming books for themselves and their families. Are you tired of picking up the latest new release and finding it full of junk you don't want in your life? You are in the right place. This show shares curated content and we do it together within a fun, book-loving community. So pull up a chair at the table and join the feast. Okay, so today... We're feeling a little springy here in Tampa, y'all. <laughs> things are blooming. Things are getting to be that brighter neon green. I mean, we kind of live in perpetual summer down here in Tampa, but it's still different in spring down here. It's still mm-hmm. new. There's still different little flowers popping up and more neon green on the trees and grass. There's suddenly birds pollen and butterflies everywhere. everywhere. Oh, oh, that is true. Pollen. That is true. Trisha, if you want me to come sweep your porch, just let me know. I think I remember (laughs) doing that last year because you were so sick with it. (laughs) Oh, man. That's true. Brett has taken the hose a couple times. It feels even worse. Like, I got up one morning. I mean, it was a carpet of yellow and brown oak pollen. Mm -hmm. It's bad. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All over my driveway. Like, I was like, (laughs) (laughs) You have to, like, scream and run. Yes. Yeah. Well... (laughs) So that's got me thinking spring books. And in the spring is my time to get out in the yard. Nate and I were in the yard Saturday. Well, and Charlie too, actually, if you want to know the like in inner weirdness of my heart, the best day ever is if we're all in the yard and maybe not even talking to each other, but just working in the yard. I love it. So Charlie's cutting the grass. I'm planting some hydrangeas. Nate is learning some real life lessons about weeding which I think we all know what that means, but lessons were learned and we are all stronger characters for it. Um, That's a whole moment in my childhood was weeding the monkey grass for my mom. So I had to carry it forward. And today we're going to talk about spring books and that can mean a few things for a few of us. So I'm excited to see what we all come with. I was at my sister-in-law's the other day talking about my greatest day uh, in the yard And she said, oh, I've been meaning to tell you, my neighbor has written a bunch of plant books. Well, I mean, you know me, I'm like, plant books? Yes. 100% is my two favorite subjects. Yes. Throw some dogs in there and I'm in. Um, (laughs) So apparently her neighbor has written all these plant books. I was like, well, hand them here and I'm going to order the rest. I cannot... I cannot wait for y'all to check these out. Morgan Doan has written several books, but they have the most charming names. You can get them on Amazon. Y'all, you can get them in German. You can get them in Chinese. You can get them in Spanish. She must really know her stuff because she's printed them in a lot of languages. So how to plant a room and grow a happy home is the sweetest little reference guide with just charming antidotes in it. So you can go and say, I love this kind of plant. How do I really do it better? I mean, in home decor, live plants are back. And so if you've never really considered yourself a plant person, this is the time to try it out again. I will tell you, it will improve your entire life because it cleans your air and just makes you happy and connects you to the earth. So she has written three or four. So how to plant a room and grow a happy home. I looked through and loved and I'm going to order. But she also has how to raise a plant and make it love you back. 
you know, we love our plants so much. And they're just sadly slowly dying. And it's like, yes. what am I doing wrong? Yes. So just just her titles just shows me she she gets it. And sometimes I feel like people have these great plants and then you try to ask them what they do and they're just like green thumb Jenny and they don't know how to explain anything to you. They're just like, oh, uh-huh. I just water it sometimes. And that's not yes. helpful. She's got some good, <laughs> good instruction here that would make someone who doesn't understand plants do well with it. Um, one of them has just come out and I'm not really sure which one is the newer, but I, I'm going to order them both and I will let you guys know, but the how to plant a room and grow a happy home I have flipped through and looked at a good bit and really like it. So that's my first. And guess what? It's a local author. Don't miss that. Local to Tampa. This lady has a fairy garden in her front yard and all of the neighborhood children come by and check it out to see what the fairies are doing today. You You guys just can't imagine the bus lets out and these children are all like, slowly sneaking up to the fairy garden i mean oh, can we what take a, a beautiful human being yard? <laughs> <laughs> well my sister-in-law asked her like you know my daughter keeps wanting to take things but i you know i've i've told her not to and she goes no that's what it's for i replaced the stuff in it it's for children to take oh my goodness can you even so and it is it's beautiful it's just set up in a little hole in a tree, ground level, right where little eyes will see and little fingers are welcome to it. And they all, they're like, you know what? Real magical fairies live here. And of course, her yard's beautiful too, as you would imagine. So, so don't you just immediately want to be her friend? Yeah. So I, in, in thinking about this episode, I came across a book on Amazon and it is from the early 1900s originally by Cicely Mary Barker called the complete book of the flower fairy and it looks delightful. I want it. (laughs) And it has the beautiful illustrations from that time period. And the table of contents is flower fairies of the spring, flower, flower fairies of the summer and so on. Flower fairies of the garden of the trees of the wayside. Oh, it just, it looks beautiful and precious. I can just picture you and Ruby just sitting uh, out in your backyard eating about the flower fairies. Yes. We taking a little field trip to this lady's house. I totally want to do that. I can't release her. (laughs) We, Ruby has... So I, one season, I did have some pots, like a little pot garden out front of vegetables. And it was exhilarating. It was wonderful. With my health, it has something I've kept up. But Ruby has dearly wanted to have a garden, among many other things. <laughs> she's like, she's this old soul. I just she's an idea girl. She wanted a typewriter for Christmas. She wants to sew her own clothes and learn how to use a sewing machine. I'm like, okay, that's great. I'll learn how to use the sewing machine with you. I don't know. Maybe she needs to go do a camp at Angela's house. Remember, you know, just last week we had Angela on who loves all the old things. So you just need to farm her out to Angela for a month during the summer. Oh my goodness. (laughs) And they can be orphans and sew their own clothes. This is a whole... (laughs) 
<laughs> match made in heaven, actually. I should just play horses yesterday things. with a friend. So, <laughs> yes. um, and the, so Ruby has a plant, and of course she loves the cats we have, which we've talked about. A Beowulf and Frodo update. They're doing great. Frodo <laughs> hasn't had scratches on his face from Beowulf in a couple weeks now. Uh, <laughs> they're doing great. Uh, but she planted catnip out front. So For she... Them. Yes. They, they go crazy about it, don't they? Uh, right? So she's been watering that. So we have plans, either the summer or fall, to join the community garden not far from us. Amazing. And we're going to learn so much from all the people there. You guys, they have a huge compost pile. Guess where they get, you know, the ingredients from bush gardens, like elephant poop. Oh, it's probably excellent. This is probably (laughs) the most exotic, amazing compost ever. (laughs) Maybe that means you'll grow giant catnip. With the elephant and elephant ears, uh, palms. There Maybe. you go. They'll be huge. <laughs> That's amazing. I mean, I think you're going to love that. There is such a connection to mm. our own bodies and our own health with growing things and seeing, you know, there is such a it's connection okay. to us as created beings with this mm-hmm. earth that God has created. And if we see and steward that, I, I believe so much that it is good for us it's good for us to understand and even the not understand the part that we can't see that he's doing I think y'all are gonna love it I'm really looking forward to it so let me just you know throw in here I you know I I dearly dearly love the two of you sometimes I have to keep you on track just a little (laughs) the actual title of this episode is spring growth so we decided to focus on spring growth for the theme so All of the books that we're bringing have something to do with spring growth, which is lovely. And I love that we have started with the actual growing of plants in the spring. That is beautiful. (laughs) Way to to bring us back to the topic, Trisha. I thought we were there. (laughs) Speaking of gardening, it actually was very interesting to me to hear you to talk about gardening books. Um, I was raised by a mother who always says she has a black thumb and every plant, everyone, anyone ever gave to her, she killed. And so I grew up, you know, knowing nothing about growing plants. And the first few times I tried to grow things, I also killed them all. And I finally, over the last like three years, actually right before the pandemic, I decided I was going to try growing some plants in our Florida room. And you have... I have, I have a fiddle leaf fern, which I found out that the people at Lowe's lied to me. Um, they told me it was easy, an easy plant to grow. And then one of my very good friends who is a massive plant person told me they're actually very finicky and hard to keep alive. So she gave me some tips and it is alive and well growing all kinds of leaves and splitting into a Y-shaped tree in my Florida room. And I have two other plants out there. And then I have just planted a succulent garden below my window in my office so that I have greenery here in my office. And as much of a book person as I am, it has literally never occurred to me to get a book on plants. (laughs) I'm going to gift you this girl's book. (laughs) 
<laughs> like I just, I don't know why. It always just seemed like, a, well, I'll ask somebody or I'll just Google. I always Google it. I'm like, how to care mm-hmm. for fiddle leaf fern. Okay, well, there's a couple of paragraphs. Surely that's enough. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I would put plant books in the same category as recipe books that you mm-hmm. don't have to read this in a book now that we have the internet if you just want the information but if you are taking in the short stories and the vibes and the culture and the the her describing the coziness that these bring then you're going to get it in a book i think i would put it in the exact same category that sure the internet will do it but also you might find something else that's in a, a great book. point but i also feel like probably like getting some base knowledge would be really helpful. Like not just Googling the tidbit of information I need in that moment, like actually getting some base knowledge about what to look for and how to plant things and would probably be helpful in this endeavor now that I like actually have these plants in my house. So (laughs) probably should go there. Well, I did a little thinking and research about gardens specifically as symbols or metaphors in literature. And I just wanted to throw out a couple of things I found. And I just really enjoyed thinking about this. First, like you've already alluded to, Elizabeth, gardens are thought of as paradise and mm. treated that way in much of literature. And of course, we get that from scripture, that the Bible is basically the story of garden to garden, Genesis Revelation. So it represents being in the presence of God, eternal life, paradise. Another common use for gardens is thinking about nature versus nurture in literature or wilderness versus civilization. Hmm. I think of Wendell Mm -hmm. Berry. I think of Wind in the Willows. There is like a continuum of beauty, whether it's completely from nature wild to human art, culture, cultivation of, of nature. So it's this big continuum and there's a tension between those two in literature especially in American literature, because gardens represent basically the taming of this massive continent, you know, by Europeans. So there's this rolling Western motion, of course, and gardens are always part of that. And another subset of this is the forest versus the garden. Hmm. And forests are, are usually mysterious. They're mystical. They're dangerous. They're wild. They're unknowable places. Whereas gardens are knowable, they are nourishing, cultivated their home. So I love both of that imagery. I just love it so much. I don't know. I feel like because I have family, like deep, deep roots way back, like hundreds of years ago in North Carolina. I just feel like this romantic pull of the forest of the wild unknown, you know. Um, Okay, so gardens, the last thing I came across were like portals to another world. And I hadn't thought of this one on my own, but like in Alice in Wonderland, Mm -hmm. she falls through the rabbit hole in her garden. And then while she's down there, she sees through the fence, I think, or hole in the wall, another garden that she longs so much to be in. And she really thinks that that is a way to take her back home. So that's an example of gardens as a portal to another world. Yeah. Well, you know, one that's less mystical portal, but the same idea, it's more metaphor, is Into the Wild, because he was living in 80s America, and he was so 
undone by all of the greed and deceit and that he was a kid. And so he sets out into the wild. He cuts up his driver's license. He renounces every human possession and sees no person for months and months and months. I mean, spoiler alert, it does not go well, but they find (laughs) his journal But he writes about leaving behind what man has done to see what grows in the wild, to see what Mm. is in the wild. And I think that's almost a portal kind of a Mm. feeling there. Like he wanted to walk through this door, though it wasn't a door yet across the country to do it. So, Who is that? Sorry. Into the Wild. It's a really famous book. I'm going to have to think of the author actually real quick. John Krakauer. I I didn't want to say until I'd looked it up because I wasn't sure. Yeah, it's... It's a very famous book. It is. Cool. But the story of that, like, I'd like to look into another world. Mm, yeah. Trisha, did you bring any or? Okay. So I'm going to dive us into a couple of different genres. The first book is actually a, I would call it a Christian life book. Um, but I think that people of any spirituality could enjoy this book. It is called... Growing Slow, Lessons on Unhurrying Your Heart from an Accidental Farm Girl. Oh, I've heard about this book. I'm very interested. The author's name is Jennifer Dukes Lee, and she grew up in a small town um, with cornfields in her backyard and spent her teenage years thinking all she wanted to do was escape. I'm tired of the small town life, you know, tired of all the farmers, but lo and behold, she married a farmer. So she winds up being a farmer's wife on a farm in Iowa. And she tells a story about a time in her life when she had let herself get so completely burnt out and run down that she was experiencing all kinds of physical illness symptoms. I didn't even realize that it was a result of her schedule and her stress. And also at the same time, they had a really difficult growth year in the on the farm just because of the weather like apparently the fall had been super rainy and stormy and then the spring planting time was super rainy and stormy and so they're having trouble with their plants so she realized they were gonna have a growing slow kind of year on their farm and she felt like she needed to learn and relearn how to grow slow in her own heart in her own rhythms in her own family with her children And this book is about her journey to learn how to slow down, appreciate things, and learn how to nourish the things that are long, slow, and deep. I love that. It's really beautiful. I am not that far into it, but I really like her writing. She goes through, I love that she goes through all the seasons. So she has spring and summer and then fall and winter. And I really love part of the winter part. I feel like I, in some ways, am in a winter season right now, which is, you know, not so much about our spring episode, but just where I am. Um, But she talks about things like how to grow in the dark, how, you know, everything that grows comes from a seed that spends time in the cold and the dark, just waiting for the right time to spring forth and like what is happening what is god doing what slow healing nourishing work is happening there in the dark so she runs the whole gambit of the seasons and it's just a beautiful book i think i would love that 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 sounds rich and lovely 
And the last chapter is called Heaven Looks Like a Farm. That's perfect. (laughs) It's back to Amanda's literary, I have no words today. Garden to garden. Garden to garden, (laughs) yes. Yes, really beautiful. So I've got a couple. Go ahead, Amanda. I'll finish up with my last one, so you go ahead. Okay. Well, this wasn't what I was going to talk about, but I have strawberries as part of my breakfast this morning (laughs) and made me think of strawberry girl. Cause when these Florida strawberries, when it is, when they're in season, they're so sweet and delicious. Ah, wonderful. Um, I really like Oscar Wilde's writing and he's written a play and we haven't really talked about reading plays in book format before, but I've, that's something I've enjoyed. And the importance of being earnest. I love that play. It's a lot of witty and quick banter and dialogue back and forth. Just Mm -hmm. so funny. And this is not a book about really deep, many layered areas of growth or gardens. But one of the main characters, Cecily, frequently goes into her garden when she needs to think when she needs to escape, when she's when she's growing. She's going out to her garden. And I, I just thought of that play, thinking about gardens. <laughs> and I thought that might be a different kind of recommendation to throw out there, too. It's I just love that story so much. And it's just a light, fun, yeah. witty. There's romance in it. I mean, the mood of it is definitely spring. So I think it's yes. perfect. Yes, very light. Love it. So I have a picture book to recommend. Miss Remphius by Barbara Cooney. Have y'all read this before? No. No. Okay. I love the cover though. Isn't it lovely? Mm, it's really, so Sarah yeah. Mc- yeah. Sarah McKenzie with Read Aloud Revival loves this book. So our listeners that also love Read Aloud Revival like I do will be familiar. We'll probably have heard of this book. If not read it, I bet a lot of people have read it. It is such a lovely book about a woman's life from when she's a little girl to when she's an old lady through the eyes of her young niece. And it's a very touching vibe. It's almost melancholy to me, but it's very touching. It's very lovely. And it's about the beauty you can put into the world. And it's kind of implied different ways you can do that. So it's a picture book. It's for children, but you could go lots of different directions with it and you can go deep with it. Well, that, that sounds like a great tool for having big conversations with smaller people too. Or yeah. if you yourself are not a feelings person, to start light with yourself. Yeah. To have small concepts that, especially if you're saying like you can go deeper with it, a lot of times you need a book like that for a bridge. Oh, I love that. That's a great point. And so one other book I came across, I haven't read this yet. I just discovered it this morning, but I want it. It is called The Literary Garden, Recreating Literature's Most Beautiful Gardens by Duncan Brine. And it says, from the colorful riots of daffodils in Dumare's Rebecca to the overflowing orchard depicted in Wolf's Look Homeward Angel, great literature is filled with descriptions of lush, gorgeous gardens with excerpts from treasure novels and beautifully rendered line drawings of the imaginary gardens or paintings they describe. The Literary Garden combines literary inspiration with practical instruction on how to bring your favorite fictional gardens to life. Oh, how fun. That's cool. Doesn't that sound perfect? <laughs> it, has, <laughs> it has excerpts from the works by, and there's a list, 
and it says, and more, you know, one of those lists. But Louisa May Alcott, Carl Sandburg, Harriet Beecher Stowe, Charlotte Bronte, Thomas Hardy, F. Scott Fitzgerald, Victor Hugo, and I didn't read all the ones on the list they listed. Lovely, lovely. That book makes me excited. Mm Mm-hmm. So we can't do this episode in my mind without talking about The Secret Garden because I read that Mm. and with Nate a few months back and it is the most perfect book for this time of year in my mind to talk about the actual plants growing and make it remember, make yourself remember you are growing too Mm. because it begins with the beginning of the book where it's it's winter and nothing's growing. I won't talk about all the events of the book, but when you pick up with the growth portion of it, she's looking out over the moor and it's ugly and it's dead. And the gardener is saying, oh, no, 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 no. Down below the ground in the dark where you cannot see, roots are already beginning to push through the soil. Things are happening and you don't know it. And Trisha, you can speak to this with coaching, but my therapist always talks about growth happens on the inside first. And that when we are trying to, to be something or to change something or to change a relationship, it can be either with us or with a person in our life that we're thinking, this is not different enough yet. Nothing is happening. And it's not true that nothing is happening. Growth happens on the inside first. And that Plants show us that. Nature shows us that. And so that portion of the book just suddenly came alive for me. And the rest of the book is mirroring plants and a garden growing to children growing. But the it's wow. not their physical bodies growing. It's their hearts and their minds growing, which that's all of us. We all have room for our hearts and minds to grow. They are, they're two spoiled brats who are learning how to become lighthearted, inquisitive curious, energetic children. And we all are missing that at times when we get a little so bogged down in all of our patterns and some of our patterns are not good patterns and we need to change them. This book has 1 million perfect quotes that you could just pin on your bathroom mirror to remind you to do better or that you are already doing better, even though maybe the people around you don't see it yet. But I want to share this one quote. It says, at first, people refuse to believe a strange new thing can be done. And then they begin to hope it can be done. And then they see it can be done. And then the thing is done. And all the world wonders why it wasn't done centuries ago. I just love that. The change is so hard and so impossible until you begin to take tiny steps. And then everyone just says, well, we can't remember a time when it wasn't wonderful, just like right now. Yeah. Beautiful. So lovely. Another great fun quote is where you tend a rose, my lad, a thistle cannot grow, which is just mindfulness. You know, we don't have beautiful gardens without getting out there and pulling the weeds out. And our hearts and minds and characters are are the same. We are continually working at becoming who we want to be. This book is great for an adult or to read aloud with a child. They could read it on their own, but I think there's just so many great conversations. I would say read it with somebody Um, because you're continually talking about positive mindset, trying something new, being brave, and then being patient while the growth happens. Mm. Yeah, I am due for a reread on that one for sure. Yeah, I haven't um, read the whole thing yet. 
So we need Ruby and I need to. Y'all get have on that. to read it when you start mm-hmm. your garden. That's how you need to kick oh it off. Oh my goodness, you're right. Oh okay, goodness. one more because it's so good. As long as you have a garden, you have a future, and as long as you have a future, you are alive. Isn't that wonderful? The whole book is just wonderful quotes like that that could almost end along, but they're all part of larger bodies of thought. So I'll stop there, but y'all have to read it and then you have to have me over to talk about it, Amanda. (laughs) That is such a great quintessential spring growth book, Elizabeth. And spring, you know, life, hope, rebirth, new love, new beginnings, flourishing, playfulness, youth and exuberance, transition. That's a list I made when thinking about this episode. And that's what I love about spring. And that's what I love about all of the symbolism and literature about spring and how much we can learn about growth in great literature, like The Secret Garden. And I love that you pulled in personal growth recommendations as well, personal growth books, because those are also wonderful. So listeners, do you have spring growth recommendations? Whether it's a personal growth genre, literary works, gardening books. Do you garden? Do you grow things? What are lessons you have learned from getting your hands in the dirt and the whole process? I would love to hear all about that. Let us know in the comments of the post for this episode, which will be in our Book Fair podcast Facebook group. It is private. If you are not a part of it, we would love for you to join us Join the conversation, and we'll see you there. And until next time, I'm Trisha. I'm Amanda. I'm Elizabeth. And happy spring reading. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this, subscribe to Book Fair Podcast. Join our private Facebook group. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram, or email us at chat at bookfairpodcast.com. And you can help us continue to grow. Share an episode with a friend, mention us on social media, and leave a review in your podcast app. We'll see you next Tuesday.